Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Morning, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our job is to help you invest your time and money better. I'm your host, Kate Campbell, and have I got an episode lined up for you today about everyone's favorite topic, tax, and with the tax man himself. Tim Lowe works for the Australian Taxation Office, which fondly is known to us all as the ATO in his role as the Assistant Commissioner for Individuals and Intermediaries. Tim, welcome onto the show today. Thanks, Kate. Thanks for having me on. Now, today we're going to give new investors a bit of a crash course to tax in Australia and what they need to know. But before we do so, Tim, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do and what the ATO does and what we need to know before we dive in? Yeah, look, um, at the ATO, we obviously collect tax on behalf of the the, the government and and the Australian community. Uh, In my role, as you said before, um, I look after individuals and intermediaries. So I look after um, the the tax system as it impacts uh, individuals. Uh, One aspect of my role is also um, the tax time spokesperson uh, role as well. So I I go on media, like your wonderful podcast, as well as um, radio and media to talk about tax and try to make things really easy and simple for people to understand. As you said before, uh, many people don't really like talking about tax. So my job is to make it um, much more relatable to people so they really understand what they need to do come tax time. Yeah, because I know a lot of us, we don't learn about it in school and then we kind of like to bury our head in the sand a little bit and go, oh, it's all too hard. But if we learn a few of the basics, it can make life a lot more simpler, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. Look, we're trying to, um, you know, have tax in uh, schools, in the school education system. So we're, we're working to add um, tax into the curriculum, but you're absolutely right. You know, what, you know, just doing a little bit of research can really help you whether you do your tax return uh, yourself or you use a registered tax agent. Yeah, absolutely. And for new investors, which many of our listeners are, when they're getting started, tax is probably not the first thing on their mind. And sometimes they don't even know that there's taxes applicable to their investing journey. So why do you think it's so important for individuals to understand the basics of their tax obligations and how it all works when getting started? Yeah, good question, Kate. Look, it's, you know, as you said, you know, tax isn't always uh, the first thing on people's mind when they're investing, um, but it really should be near the top of your, your list. And, you know, you know, doing a bit of research uh, and a good way to do this is to, to listen to podcasts uh, like the Australian Finance Podcast, but also checking out the ATO website. We can you know get off on the right foot. Um, I'll go into this into this a little bit more, but you know keeping good records um, will really save you time and money in the long run when it comes to your tax. Um, also, understanding your tax obligations will also help to inform um, your investment decisions and can have a real material impact on your after-tax uh, investment returns. So just because you can you know invest passively uh, doesn't mean you can do your tax passively. Yes, that's a, that's a good thing to keep in mind for all of our passive investors out there. There are some active obligations that you have to uh, think about every year. That's right. Um, and I know that the ATO website is a fantastic resource and it's really understandable. And we're often referring listeners to it because it even has examples, which is helpful trying to understand some of the complexities of things. But if we start with maybe just an overview of some of the key taxes or sort of tax topics that individuals that our investing should know about? 
Yeah, look, there's obviously a number of key uh, tax issues that people need to talk about. So when it comes to, say, you know, exchange-traded funds, which, you know, shares have been bundled up into a single security, like a, a unit, and are traded on the stock exchange like shares, so ETFs like your Vanguard's or your Beta shares, look, there'll be tax obligations when you when you invest in those, uh, those ETFs. Uh, as you know, and your listeners would know this as well, you know, ETFs have exploded in popularity, you know, with there's platforms like Comset Pocket, Superhero, uh, Raise, and much more. Um, and, you know, some people do recognise that they have to pay tax uh, on any money earned from selling their ETFs or shares. But many people don't realise that tax is also paid uh, on dividends uh, uh, and distributions, even if they're automatically uh, reinvested into a reinvestment plan. Now, what we try to do and... Uh, and make what we try to do to make things easier for people to you know comply with their tax obligations is we ask ETFs to provide investors with a standard distribution statement. And the importance of that statement is that it, it breaks down what you need to declare in your tax return come tax time. So when you, for example, dispose of units, um, the, the, the SDS shows a capital gain or loss made from that sale um, that needs to be included in your tax return. Um, similarly, managed investment trusts also provide um, either an SDS or an attributed management investment trust uh, statement uh, to their members so they can comply with their tax obligations. Now, these, as I said before, these statements make it really easy and simple uh, for you to lodge your tax return and comply with your tax obligations. Now, I kind of mentioned before, like things like um, capital gains tax, which is probably the main thing um, that comes uh, uh, with investing in um, assets like shares and ETFs. It also applies to, you know, property and cryptocurrency. Um, and CGT is kind of a bit of a mis misnomer because it's not really a separate tax. It's a, um, the capital gain that you, you make from uh, disposing of these assets uh, is included in your taxable income and you do have to pay tax um, at your marginal rates. Yeah. And sometimes those distribution statements that you mentioned before, the SDS, the standard distribution statement, um, they can be quite complex when you receive them in the mail or via email from your share registry. And there's a lot of different components in them. That's right, uh, Kate. And um, we can talk a little bit more about some tips at the end. But yeah, um, but yeah there's, there's, a, there's a really easy way of lodging your tax return using that information that you get on those statements. Yeah, because I noticed... Um, a few years ago when I was having a look, there's like letter codes to match things up. And I know you've got some helpful guides on how to actually interpret all these different alphabet codes. That's right. And, you know, our website's got some fantastic information about that. But yeah, going back to, you know, your capital gains tax um, consequences coming out of investing um, in, in shares. Um, obviously, if you've done really well, you, you're going to make some capital gains. Um, but also, there's some, sometimes you don't get the investment right and you can make some capital uh, losses. So it's really important to note that with those capital losses, uh, you can't deduct that against other types of income like your salary and wages as an investor. You need to offset them um, against capital gains. And if you don't end up using it uh, in, the, in the current year, you can uh, carry them forward to future years to offset against future capital gains that you have. And one thing to, one tip to note is if you, have, you are an individual and have owned um, the asset for at least 12 months, so that could be you know, your shares or your ETFs, you can generally reduce your capital gain by 50%. Yeah, I like to think of that one as a reward for being a long-term investor and being patient. Um, yes. the, the ATO is like encouraging us to do that in a That's way. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a capital gains tax is a really important one to keep in mind as a new investor because 
a lot of people don't sort of get that going in and suddenly they're buying and selling things and they get to tax time and go, oh man, I've got this big tax bill that I didn't account for because I've just been uh, trading throughout the year. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we, we can talk a bit more about like what's really important to to do in terms of record keeping. Um, I'm going to sound like a broken record by the end of this podcast, but yeah, keeping really good records, whether it's um, using, you know, off the shelf software or spreadsheets to really document when you, when you purchase the particular share, that's really crucial. uh, And it's going to make your tax time um, much more easier, whether you lodge your tax return yourself or whether you go through a registered tax agent. Yeah, I'll definitely be keen to hear your tips a little bit later on about record keeping because it's always been a pain of mine um, coming up to tax time each year. And I'm always trying to think of a slightly better way to do things. But yeah, I guess it's a a lesson to learn. Um, And if we, what about for people that are going down that property path and Mm -hmm. maybe have an investment property that they're renting out um, or maybe Airbnb or something on the side, like what should we know about here? Yeah, look, you know, you know, Airbnb and investment properties are a big thing. You know, Aussies love investing in property, as you would know, and your listeners will know. Um, you know, the key taxes that apply to rental properties uh, is income tax. Um, so the rental income from your investment property or your Airbnb, along with CDT. So when a, a capital gains tax event uh, occurs, like when you sell um, a property, that that capital gain or will be subject to tax. Uh, capital gains tax and you'll need to include that uh, in your tax return but with rent and rent related income um, the cash or other payments that you receive from your tenants uh, needs to be included and declared uh, in your tax return Uh, when i talk about other rent related income you you need to declare that includes like things like your bond money that you're entitled to keep uh, letting in booking fees uh, in some circumstances uh, insurance payouts as well as any lump sum payments of rental income. Now, if you want to find out more information, we've got some really good information on our website, um, ato.gov.au forward slash rental income. On the deductions front, um, there are things that uh, you can claim as a deduction uh, for the income year when you incur the expense or when you spend your money. So things like, uh, for example, your interest on the loan, your investment loan, uh, council rates, uh, repairs and maintenance, um, and as well as depreciating assets um, that cost less than $300. You can deduct that in the year that um, you spent the money. Uh, There are things that you can't claim outright. Uh, There are things like um, capital works or borrowing expenses or um, the depreciation of particular depreciating assets. So uh, a good example is, for example, if you're doing a 20K uh, kitchen reno for your investment property, that needs to be deducted over time. You can't deduct that immediately in your tax return. Um, And look, we know tax can be difficult when it comes to rental properties. So it's really important that um, you you work out what categories in which your expenses fall in. And we've got a wonderful investors toolkit on our website, um, which you can check out uh, at ato.gov.au forward slash investors toolkit. While I'm here, it's probably worth mentioning some of the kind of no-nos that we see sometimes people claim as a uh, a tax deduction. So um, one thing to remember is when you are claiming a tax deduction for your uh, investment property, you know, it must be generally available for for rent. So you can't include periods where you're uh, using it uh, or your family's using it or you're kind of um, renting it out at mates rates. Uh, You'll need to make sure that you're renting it out uh, uh, 
at market rates. Uh, and if you are doing that, you can't claim deductions for that period. Um, so for example, with interest deductions. Um, the other thing we sometimes see at the ATO is people trying to claim for rental property that they aren't using for rental uh, and they're just really using it uh, for personal use. So if you are using something for both home and um, rental property, you can apportion your expenses uh, and you need to claim the portion that's related to renting the property, um, not the personal uh, portion. Right. There's a lot there for rental properties. And I mean, as someone who doesn't own any property um, and definitely doesn't own investment property, I'm not super familiar with all those things. So it definitely seems like something that if you're going down that path, maybe you'd like to speak to an accountant or definitely do your research there. Yeah, look, as I said before, we've got some really uh, great information to give you a bit of a taste of what you need to do in that space. Um, if you feel really confident, you can obviously do it yourself. But I think, as you say, Kate, it can be quite complicated uh, documenting all the expenses that can um, can occur in, in, in owning a rental or investment property. So, yeah, as you, as you said, it's something that you can speak to a registered tax agent about and they can help you uh, with complying with your tax return. Um, but yeah, like I said, if you do feel confident, you can also try um, doing that yourself as well. Yeah. And as you said, like capital gains tax also applies to investment properties as well as to people selling shares and ETFs. And that could be quite a significant amount. So something that you definitely want to keep in mind going into that situation before you, you just spend all that money you just made on the house you sold. Exactly. Exactly, Kate. And speaking of deductions, I watched a funny video the other day of you on TV talking about some of the interesting things people try to claim at tax time. And I was wondering if you could share some of those with our audience. Yeah, no, more than happy to do that, Kate. Look, um, yeah, like last year was obviously a, an interesting year from a tax perspective for those tax nerds out there. But for us tax nerds, uh, you know, it was a really uh, interesting year because a lot of people have been working from home for the first time um, as a result of the pandemic for a long period of time. Um, obviously people in Victoria have done it for a couple of years, um, but yeah, look, there were, there were some interesting uh, tax deductions that people look to try and claim. Um, pajamas was one of them. Uh, so uh, we, we, saw, we saw people trying to claim pajamas. Ugg boots was another uh, deduction that people tried to claim. Uh, and some of the things that we hadn't seen previously, uh, we saw um, people starting to claim. So people were starting to claim the surfboard to, to unwind, uh, as well as doggy daycare. Um, you know, in Australia, we love our pets, but unfortunately, you know, things like doggy daycare aren't uh, deductible because they need to be directly related to earning your income. So that were some of the kind of expenses that were deducted uh, last year uh, as a result of the pandemic. And obviously this year, coming into tax time 2022, um, we're bound to see some um, creative deductions that we at the ATO will knock out pretty quickly if they're not directly related to earning your income. Yeah, it must be amusing working there sometimes and seeing the things that people try to put through. That's, oh yeah, it can be. And um, I think, you know, for everyone who's doing the right thing, you can rest assured that we're knocking those deductions out. And if people are trying to take the mickey, you know, we do, we do take quite uh, heavy action on, on people who kind of deliberately kind of do the wrong thing. But like you say, you know, there's 10 million, you know, Aussies putting a tax return every single year. So we always see some, really strange deductions coming through their tax return. I love it. I'm going to be very interested to see what people um, try to claim at the end of this financial year. <laughs> awesome. So 
Pivoting to a slightly more uh, new age topic, which I think people will be surprised to hear that the ATO actually does have a lot of information on and can talk about uh, cryptocurrencies and other digital assets like NFTs. Um, and so are you able to sort of explain higher level, like what responsibilities do individuals have to be aware of if they start um, investing and buying and using some of these new digital products? Thanks, Kate. Well, look, cryptocurrency is taxed just like other investments. So just as shares are taxed, um, and it, cryptocurrencies and MTs uh, are taxed very similar. So when you buy, sell, swap or exchange cryptocurrency, that will be uh, subject to capital gains tax and must be reported in your tax return. So if, you've, you, know, if you hold cryptocurrency as an investor, um, those same obligations apply as if you're a share investor as well. So we, we know that while it appears that cryptocurrency operates in an anonymous digital world, uh, we do closely track uh, where it interacts with the real world through data from banks, financial institutions, and cryptocurrency online exchanges to follow the, the money trail back to taxpayers. Now, the thing to note with cryptocurrencies, um, you know, for example, if you've got a digital wallet, for example, um, that contains different types of cryptocurrencies, you know, each cryptocurrency is considered to be a separate CGT assets. So it's really important to note that when you are complying um, with the tax obligations in relation to cryptocurrency, that again, uh, I'll say it again, uh, you've got to keep good records and, and, and ensure that um, you are documenting those transactions that are taking place with cryptocurrency. We know a lot of people have been uh, investing in cryptocurrency over the last few years. And crypto, you know, for example, Bitcoin in July 2020 was about $12,000, whereas now, you know, in you know February uh, 2022, it's about $61,000 now. So that's what a 500% increase in the price of Bitcoin. So we know a lot of Aussies are investing in Bitcoin and we are trying to help um, them understand what their tax obligations are. So, you know, similar to um, shares, if you have held um, the cryptocurrency for 12 months or more, you can get the capital gains tax discount. So if you are an individual, um, you can get the 50% uh, CGT discount. And as I said before, with capital losses, um, you can uh, offset them against capital gains. And if you don't uh, end up using them in the current year, you can carry them forward to offset against other future capital gains as well. One thing to note is, I guess with the capital losses as well, you're not kind of restricted to just offsetting it against cryptocurrency. So for example, if you made a gain in relation to some BHP shares that you held or some Telstra shares, that you held, you can offset any capital losses against other uh, investment assets as well. So um, another thing to kind of note um, is that we've got a lot of information uh, on the ATO website. So um, if you can find out more on ato.gov.au forward slash cryptocurrency. And there's some really good information about how to um, work out your tax obligations in relation to cryptocurrency. In terms of like a non-fungible tokens or NFT or NFTs, um, you know, that is, as you said before, Kate, something that um, many people are starting to invest in. Um, but, you know, similar to, to cryptocurrencies and shares, they're just, um, the tax obligations are, you know, very similar. You know, they're just considered to be a capital gains tax asset. So you, you're taxed in a similar vein to, to those types of assets as well. Um, obviously, if you're holding it for particular, in a different way, not as an investor, but maybe, for example, you're, hold, you're owning it as, as part of a business, there can be different uh, tax obligations uh, in relation to NFTs. And that would similarly apply to cryptocurrency and shares if you're holding it, running a business, for example, that those obligations might be different to 
um, the obligations of an investor per se in, in an individual capacity. So the best thing to do uh, is to check out our website or speak to a registered tax agent because those you know tax complication uh, implications can be complicated. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if you guys have much information, but one another thing that's sort of starting to emerge is people staking their cryptocurrencies and having some sort of income or interest payment. Would that be considered um, like bank interest or a share income? Yep, no, spot on, Kate. Um, it's very similar. So we would include that income. So yeah, for example, if you have um, crypto in a staking pool or liquidity pool, um, you know, those the rewards would be accessible and including your taxable income. And similarly, if you then dispose of that, um, those um, crypto, um, you would then be subject to CBT. But yeah, it's a good question. And yes, we do, we do tax that as well. Okay. Well, it's good to know that. So if people understand how capital gains works and the discount works and how distributions are taxed for shares and ETFs, they can kind of understand how it will work for their other digital assets as well. Absolutely. That's, that's exactly right. So the rules are supplied just the same way, but just to different assets. And it may look like it's a new age thing and that um, we don't have rules for that, but it's not. that's just not correct. It's just something that we just use the existing rules and they apply just like you know, they do to your traditional investment assets like shares and property. Oh, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that ATO hasn't created some whole new complex system for all of these <laughs> things. So it just makes it easy for investors who are already used to dealing with um, shares and ETFs, if they're dealing with any of these, same rules apply. That's right. Yeah. And have, have the ATO been uh, catching a few people out that haven't been declaring these sort of things over the last few years? Yeah, look, we, what we want people to understand is we really want people to help um, them understand their cryptocurrency obligations. So what we try to do is when people lodge their tax return at tax time, we, we give people reminders. And so we've got data exchange protocols with the cryptocurrency um, exchanges who provide us with third-party data which we can cross-match against investors and so when you're lodging your tax return and you've invested in cryptocurrency and have sold cryptocurrency and you haven't included it uh, whether a gain or a loss we'll have a little bit of a nudge uh, in the tax return so as you lodge the tax return to make sure that um, or, or to remind you that you've got a you've got a potential cryptocurrency gain or loss that needs to be included in your tax return so we have done a lot of that um, nudging in the past. So we're, we're talking hundreds of thousands of um, investors who we have um, we advised in real time about um, their cryptocurrency obligations. And then it's up to them to work out what their cryptocurrency gains and losses are and put them in their tax return. Okay, that's good to hear that you're actually working with investors because a lot of people might be wondering how exactly is this treated or does the ATO actually care? And you do care and you're helping. <laughs> That's right. And yeah, look, it's not about, you know, we want people to, you know, it's not about trying to catch people. It really is about trying to educate people and for them to kind of get it right the first time. You know, we're, we're not in the business of, um, you know, chasing and auditing every single person uh, in the Australian tax system. We just don't have, the, we don't have the resources to do that. And at the end of the day, most Aussies do the right thing. They want to do the right thing. So, we're just here to try and make it uh, as easy as possible for, for people to understand what their their obligations are. Yeah, and I imagine all of our listeners are trying to fulfil their obligations as much as they can. And so just having that information and knowing where to go to actually find that and knowing that you're there to answer any questions and help if they do get stuck is really good to hear. No, thanks. No, it's good, good to know. And that's what we're here about at the ATO. We're here to help. And as much as sometimes the media portrays us to be 
um, cracking down on this and that. Um, you know, we are, you know, we are here to help because that's that's where we're going to get most people complying if people un really understand their obligations. So yeah, reach out to us at the ATO, whether it's checking out our website material or contacting the ATO through our, our, our website. Yeah, and continuing on the theme of cryptocurrencies, now this might not be a situation for most people, but as they become more common, people are using them for actually everyday purchases or they might be buying something with them. And so does that start to change how they're treated for tax purposes? If you're not using the currency as an investment per se, but you're actually using it for purchasing everyday goods and services. It does, Kate. So um, we don't often see this, but for example, if you earn cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and it's considered to be a personal use asset. Uh, so when you acquire, uh, the best example to give is if, if when you acquire and use it within a short period of time to acquire items for personal use or consumption, such as if you're a gamer, for example, um, it can be considered to be a personal use asset and there wouldn't be CGT consequences coming out of that. But to, to use your example, for example, uh, you know, the longer that you hold the cryptocurrency, the less likely it is uh, going to be a personal use asset, even if you end up using it to purchase an item uh, for personal use or consumption. So, for example, if you bought the cryptocurrency back a couple of years ago and then decided to use it to buy something now, we wouldn't see that as a, as a personal use um, asset. We would, and there would be capital gains tax consequences arising when you use that cryptocurrency to purchase that asset or item. Yeah. But, okay. but I think, the, yeah, but I think the most important thing to remember is that it really is going to depend on the facts and circumstances of every case. Yeah, because I, I guess when you're using uh, just transacting with everyday Australian dollars that you've been paying with, you've never thinking about capital gains uh, being yeah. associated with that. But suddenly uh, that starts to come in the conversation a little bit more because it, depending on the situation, it could become Correct. an asset. Correct. Yeah. So look, it would really depend on pe each person's facts and circumstances, but it's not something that we'll see quite often because obviously there's transaction costs with acquiring cryptocurrencies. So, you know, it doesn't really make sense to, to then quickly buy something using that cryptocurrency to incurring all these um, costs. But there'll always be exceptions to the rule. And again, as I said before, it really depends on people's facts and circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. And what if you've gone through everything and suddenly you've realized you've made a mistake on your tax return last year for maybe, for example, you're a new investor and you didn't realize capital gains tax was a thing. And so you didn't declare some of your capital gains um, or you, you forgot to include some of your income from your Uber Eats deliveries on the weekend. What's the, the process? Um, so if someone comes to that realization, um, how do they contact you? What happens there? Yeah, good question, Kate. Uh, I think um, from our perspective, look, if you've inadvertently forgot something, you can actually just uh, amend your tax return uh, through our online platform, MyTax, uh, which you can access through MyGov, or you can even just speak to your registered tax agent. And one thing to do is, yeah, work what what out, work out what what the mistake is, and and then just make the amendment. Look, we're not going to punish people if they've made an inadvertent mistake, but as I said before. If you are deliberately not including um, your income, um, we are going to we are going to take further action. But for the most part, you know, if you have just made a mistake, um, yeah, just go on to if, and if you lodge your tax return yourself through MyTax, our platform, online platform. You can just access that and you can just quickly make an amendment. It's really yeah, quite quite intuitive. So 
that's one way you can do it. Or if you are using a registered tax agent, you can go speak to them um, about um, the income that you haven't included. Um, and the other thing to remember is you might have forgotten a deduction that you're not, you haven't included as well. So that would be a mistake. And so that's something that you should also try and make sure that you've captured as well, because that will help reduce um, potentially in some circumstances your taxable income, depending on how much tax you've paid. Um, one other thing, or one tip I have um, to kind of reduce the probability of making a mistake at tax time is um, to lodge a tax return in August. So we know a lot of people try and lodge their tax return on the 1st of July because they're really excited to get a refund, which is great. Um, but one thing we do at the ATO is we get a lot of pre-fill information. So pre-fill information is information from third parties. So think of it, um, information from banks, so any bank interest that you've earned, uh, information from government agencies or ETF funds. Um, we get information from them. And what happens is when they give that information to us, it pre-populates the tax return, which makes things really easy and simple for you to lodge your tax return. So even if you've been investing in an ETF, if you wait till August to lodge your tax return, that information, instead of you having to manually put that information into each of the labels in your tax return, they we do it for you. So it makes things really simple. So I kind of liken it to, you know, lodging on 1 July. It's, you know, lodging on 1 July is like arriving at a party too early. Whereas, you know, lo you know lodging in August will, you know, make things easier for you when you come to lodge your tax return. And also gives you time, as I said before, to make sure you've captured all the deductions that you've incurred during the year. And for investors, um, I know many uh, ETFs, real estate investment trusts, managed funds, they don't actually release their um, distribution or dividend statements for a little bit after the end of the financial year. And so sometimes if you get in there too quickly, you've missed data. And so you actually do have to wait a little bit longer as an investor sometimes. That's right. And and as I said before, um, if you wait a bit longer, we do a lot of that work and heavy lifting for you. So it just makes things easy for you and obviously makes things easy for us. For you. As I said before, we just want people to get it right the first time rather than having to, to, to amend returns. Um, after the fact. Tim, if someone gets to the end of the financial year, they lodge their tax return and for some reason or another, they find out they've got uh, a tax debt, maybe that's $1,000 or $10,000, but it's quite significant. What are the options there for, for paying that off? Is there some payment plans you can put in place? Yeah, good question, Kate. Well, one thing to note is, you know, four and five Aussies actually get a tax refund. So the odds are in your favour that you'll get a refund. But as you say, there'll be circumstances in which um, people do have a debt. Uh, and what we want to do at the ATO is help people understand that debt. And it's really important that um, you get in contact with us. We don't want you to bury your head in the sand. Um, it's really important to, to reach out to us so we can help you. And at the ATO, we've got uh, some payment plans that you can enter into. And, and you can even do this yourself. Um, all you need to do is go to MyTax, uh, which you can access through our MyGov platform. And you can work out um, a payment plan that suits your particular circumstances. But if, you, if you're having trouble with that, um, you can feel free uh, to get in contact with us at the ATO. Yeah, absolutely. And so we've got a few months now before the end of this financial year and before investors have to start thinking about doing their tax return for this current financial year. So yeah. what are your tips and suggestions for our listeners this year when it comes to managing their tax affairs and making sure they're in the best position possible um, for the end of the financial year and doing their tax return? Okay, well, that's a good question. 
I've said this once and I'll say it again. Records, records, records. And I think I'd sound like a broken record now for sure. <laughs> um, and look, I think you've said this before on your on your podcast, but look, it's really important to to quote your tax file number when you are investing uh, to avoid tax being withheld. So that's one tip I can give um, for people. Um, but like I said before, you know, records are so important because it's it's kind of like cooking a nice meal at home, right? You need to prepare and get all your ingredients ready. And it's the same for your tax obligations when you're investing. If you have that information available and ready and prepared, it's going to make your uh, tax return a much simpler and easier process. And that is regardless whether you do it yourself or whether you use a registered tax agent. Because if you use a registered tax agent, they'll be asking you the same questions and it's going to cost you a lot more if you're taking up a lot more of their time. So it's a really important um, trick to make sure that um, you've got those records. And those records are like, if you've been investing, like your dates that you invested in, the prices on those particular dates, any commissions, you know, whether it's been share splits or share consolidations, all those kinds of information that need to be included, um, you need to keep uh, when it comes to investing uh, and making sure that you're paying tax on those uh, investments. So that's one tip I would have um, in terms of making sure that you've got um, a good start in terms of uh, keeping all your records. You can also use off-the-shelf packages to keep track of your records, or as I alluded to before, um, you can also use the simple you know, spreadsheet, Excel spreadsheet that to capture all the, the trades that you're making throughout the year. Um, one thing to kind of remember is it's really important to keep these records even after you've disposed of the uh, investment. So for example, if you made a capital gain, you need to hold those records for at least five years after that capital gain has been made. And if you have made a capital log, uh, loss, you need to keep those records for another two years after you've actually utilized uh, that particular capital loss against a capital gain. So they're probably the, the main tips I have in terms of um, investors uh, and and how they come, uh, how they should manage their tax affairs and their tax records. Uh, and when it comes to kind of general, uh, you know, tax affairs, so outside of investing, you know, it's important to keep your receipts. Um, you can do them a number of different ways. I know one, one strategy that you use, Kate, which is a really good one, is, you know, if you receive your receipts through your email by creating a folder, um, you know, on, on in your email inbox, which has anything tax related. I think that's a great tip, it's something I use. Uh, we also have our ATO app and the My Deductions tool. So when you're, when you're buying something, just take a photo of the receipt uh, and, and pop it into our ATO app. And come tax time, um, you can upload those uh, deductions into our My Tax platform um, and it will get done like, within seconds. Or you can also send that information off to your registered tax agent, which will again make their job easier and make your job easier. So they're probably my main tips uh, in terms of um, making sure um, that you're getting the right deductions and claiming the right deductions um, at tax time. Yeah, absolutely. And I know Owen's mentioned before, not rocking up to the tax agent with a box of receipts in a shoebox, because that is going to cost a fortune because they're going to charge you their hourly rate to go through these manual receipts and it's not worth anyone's time. Exactly. And yeah, it would cost you a lot. And Owen's exactly right. So yeah, you've got to be really organized with these things and, and not bury your head in the sand because it really is uh, important that you get it right. Yeah. Now for our listeners who have sort of listened to some of this and oh, a few things have maybe 
jog their memory or there's a few things they've heard from you that they're like, oh, I never knew this. Where should they go to find out all of this information? Well, Kate, um, our website is actually the best place to get this information. Uh, in fact, we were rated number two in the world for our cryptocurrency information, according to PwC's 2021 annual global crypto tax report. But outside of crypto, we've got fantastic information around how to uh, your investors uh, your investing obligations. So we've got that investors toolkit document that I referred to earlier. Um, but yeah, we've just got some fantastic information on our website that just makes things really easy for people to really understand their their tax obligations in relation to investment. So one thing you can do is just you know go on to our website at ato.gov.au and just use our search engine, which is pretty good. Um, the other thing you can do is we've got this thing called uh, ATO Community, which is a peer-to-peer -peer platform, um, which is also a really good source of information uh, and articles about tax. So you can do, you know, post questions on there. You can share information with people interested in the same topics. And that's another way um, in which you can kind of get a better understanding of your tax obligations uh, for tax on this year. Yeah, I know the ATO Community Forum is a bit of a hidden gem. Most people that I've spoken to don't know about it, but I found it trying to Google some niche tax questions one day and I came across this forum and I was like, oh, because the ATO actually jump in and answer questions quite a lot in there. That's right, Kate. Yeah, so we'll come in and, you know, if we see that something hasn't been answered quite on point, um, we'll, we'll, we'll step in and help um, pr provide that information uh, for, for the people on that platform to... To, to read and understand. So it's a really good, um, it's a really good platform. It's something that obviously, you know, a lot of other organizations use as well in their, for their own particular issues, but it's a good way for people to really understand and learn more about tax because, you know, at the end of the, the day, you know, a lot of tax is taken out of people's um, salary and wages and income. So it's, it's really important that people understand, you know, why we're doing that and what it's used for as well, because I think sometimes people forget that, you know, taxes is what we need to live in a, in a country like Australia. That's how, you know, schools are paid for, hospitals are paid for and roads are paid for. So yeah, check out the ATO website and, and we've got so much information that in there that, um, that will really help uh, make you get a better understanding of tax. And like I said before, even if you don't want to do it yourself, it's still really important to know at least the basics. So when you go to a registered tax agent, you know uh, what they're talking about, uh, at least at a foundational level. Mm, and I think even just starting by getting your latest payslip and actually going, do I understand each of the components? Am I being paid correctly? Do I know where my super is? Oh, I'm paying tax each month. Where's that going? Am I paying hex? Is the employer taking the right amount? Like just even starting there as a place to explore a bit more is a really good place as well. No, that's such a good tip, Kate. And yeah, it's just being a bit more um, yeah, informed and, and, and just trying to just build your understanding. And it's not just obviously applied to tax, it's obviously in other areas of your life as well. But yeah, just trying to get a, a basic understanding. You don't have to be an expert um, in it. Uh, not many people like to be an expert in tax. Um, but look, at, yeah, it's just trying to get a bit of information so you, you can make yourself aware of where this, you know, where this money is going to and, and, and what, what it's being spent for. Absolutely, Tim. Well, I'll include links to everything you've mentioned today in the show notes, including those um, new investor toolkits that are actually are like really good multi-page PDFs that you can just download, keep in your Apple iBooks and refer back to if you're bored on the train. Um, but Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing some of your knowledge with our listeners, whether they're 
very new to tax or uh, very advanced accountants? Because I know we have quite a lot of accountants in our community. Thanks for having me, Kate. Uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at risk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au.